This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, 28th day of July, 2022. Thanks for spending some time with us this morning. I am a very, very cranky man this morning. I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if it's uh, if it was the the Red Sox last night. Uh, or if I just woke up on the wrong side of the crypt, I'm not sure what it is, but just I'm just just salty this morning, and so uh, it it uh, uh, the whole Red Sox situation is is beyond frustrating. You know, they finally uh, Bobby Dahlback wakes up last night, but you know, three errors in the field. Uh, you know, everybody wants to say, well, Nate Evaldi didn't pitch that badly. You know, he only gave up three runs. He, look, he gave up five runs and nine hits. And I and I know that uh, Cordero didn't help him, but he gave up nine hits in six innings, and he only struck out one guy. He didn't walk anybody, but, you know, he wasn't getting swings and misses. And, and you know, I'm not uh, I'm not ready to say that uh, Nate Evaldi's uh, turned the corner and his, you know, his recent uh, – uh, struggles are, are, are back. I know he's still coming back from the injury that he had, but, uh, you know, I don't think he was uh, especially good last night. We'll get to all that in a minute. Um, I want to start this morning with news has trickled out that the uh, United States government has proposed a prisoner swap with Russia to bring Brittany Griner home. Uh, along with another uh, jailed American uh, guy by the name of Paul Whelan. And in exchange, reportedly, uh, and this this has been rumored for a while, that the United States would hand over a arms dealer from Russia who was sentenced to 25 years in jail back in 2012 for uh, trying to illegally sell weapons uh, on the black market. And, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff on social media is like, well, you know, the U.S. is getting fleeced on this. Who gives a, a crap? You know, at the end of the day, you know, look, Brittany Griner was an idiot. And I and, and I, do I think it's terrible that she's in jail in Russia? Yes. But the idiot had cannabis oil in her luggage. And she can say all she wants. I don't know how it got there. I was packing quickly. Yada, yada. You're going to a foreign country. You matter not not just a foreign country. You are going to a place where the tensions are the highest in the world. The relationship with the United States is not good. And you're going to tell me that? Oh well, I'm not sure how it got there. 
You have to be smarter than that. Folks, when you're traveling overseas, especially to countries like that, you've got to make sure that you don't, you, your I's are dotted, your T's are crossed, and you could say, well, you know, she lives in a different kind of world than the rest of us. Well, maybe so, but you still have to be smart, and she was not smart. Now, should she, should she face 10 years in jail for, uh, you know, uh, vaping cartridges with some cannabis oil? No. I mean, that's asinine. But she put herself in that situation. Now, having said that, you know, we need to get her the hell out of there. You know, and this other guy, Paul Whalen, is there. Supposedly, he's there for some trumped-up spying charges. God knows whether they're really trumped-up or not. Look, we know that the two countries spy on each other all the time. You know, and and they're going to give back this this arms dealer. Fine. Who cares? You know, uh, you know, who cares? Like there's not, you know, 50 other guys doing what he does in the world right now anyway. So, look, I hope they bring her home. But, you know, again, we got, you know, if you're going to travel overseas, you just got to be smart. I can't remember the name of the movie, and I brought it up one other time. This all happened back in the 70s, and it was something that the something express was it the Turkish express or the Istanbul express or something. But there was a, a guy that got caught with, you know, some drugs over in Turkey and spent a long time in, in brutal conditions because of that. You know, if you're going to go to, you know, the middle East, you don't take stuff over there. That's going to wind you in jail. If you're going to go to Russia, you're going to go there and you want to make sure you are squeaky clean. She caused her own problems. I'm not saying that, that, you know, the Soviet Union, or Soviet Union, well, I'm, they really are the Soviet Union, even though they're not called that anymore. But the, the, I'm not saying that Russia didn't overreact and isn't using her as a pawn because they absolutely are. This is all about politics and all about trying to make the United States look bad. There's, I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. So we need to get her out of there. She, she set herself up, but we need to get her out of there. So, you know, people can say whatever they want. Well, you know, the United States shouldn't give this guy. You know what? whatever get her out get him out and you know, send the arms dealer back and he'll be back to business as usual but there's 50 like i said 50 other guys doing that in the world right now it doesn't really matter so i i hope they get her out you know regardless of anything else whether she was dumb or not you know 10 years in jail uh, and by the way supposedly she's everything that's been done she's uh, uh they're doing it in, in russian and she's like had to use Google Translate on her phone to try to figure out what's going on. That sounds like a fair justice system to me, doesn't it? Um, other news that came out yesterday, and at first blush, you heard this, and of course, you know the, the news media being what it is, you know they made it sound like Mike Trout's career was over. Oh, Mike Trout has been uh, diagnosed with a rare spinal condition. You know, and everybody's like, oh, my God. And, of course, everybody's blowing up, you know, his social media and his phone. Oh, you know, sending prayer thoughts and everything. And, you know, first of all, this was released, and it shouldn't have been. It was released by the head trainer for the Los Angeles Angels, which, by the way, he's got no business doing. Uh, Because the last time I checked, health information is private. You know, and you have to have permission through HIPAA laws and everything else, you know, about what you can and can't release. And, you know, 
But Trout said, look, after it, after it was announced yesterday about this, this spinal condition that it could affect him for the rest of his career, he says, hey, hey, relax. You know, everybody's like, uh, uh, you know, blowing this thing way out of proportion. He said, he said, look, he said, I think what he meant is that I have to stay on top of the routine that I do on a daily basis to keep it from coming back. He said, I appreciate the prayers, but my career is not over. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's just something that, that he said it's rare um, for a baseball player, but it happens to a lot of other people. And he, and he had a cortisone injection last week, which is already uh, working. You know, and he said he's, he's visited with a back specialist and, uh, you know, he's going to be fine. You know, is it something he's going to have to manage? Yeah, it sounds like it is, but it doesn't sound like it's something that's going to, you know, paralyze the poor guy or end his career. But, you know, it's it's what we have now with the 24-hour news cycle and everybody has a blog and everybody, every idiot like me has a microphone. And so, you know, we have to, we have to blow things way out of proportion, but, uh, you know, Mike Trout says that he will be back this year. That's his plan, and uh, I hope he is, and, and I hope that uh, he's right that this is being just blown out of proportion. I really do. Uh, all right. Let's get to the Red Sox game last night. And first of all, you know, look, it was nice to see Bobby Dalbeck come alive. Five runs batted in last night, two for three with a walk, or a sacrifice fly, I should say. Um, but – and I don't want to go crazy because we've talked about all the injuries. And I mean, the I was reading this morning. I picked up the Associated Press uh, article, and this is no lie. A quarter of this article is all about the injuries that the Red Sox have. You know, and you know, so you know, Rafi Devers, Rich Hill, Christian Arroyo, Matt Barnes. Trevor Story, Kike Hernandez, Michael Walker. Think about that. That's a hell of a list that I just gave you. And then you look at the fact that last night, Franchi Cordero's playing first base, and he makes three errors. Franchi Cordero is not a first baseman. You know, Now, they started playing him more because he was hitting a little bit. We got to get his bat in the lineup. Well, he's not hitting anymore. He's hitting 220. So let's not let's get too carried away with that. But they're at a point now where they don't have anybody to play first base. With Devers out, they've had to shift Dobby, uh, Bobby Dahlbeck to third base. By the way, Bobby Dahlbeck's a pretty damn good third baseman. Uh, you know, and, and Dahlbeck, you know, with uh, with two home runs last night. But Cordero has no business being on first base, but they don't have any other options right now. They have nothing. They got Christian Vasquez. He's not a first baseman either. We've seen him make some missteps um, in his recent stints at first base because he doesn't belong there. So my frustration with last night's game is is not necessarily with Franchi Cordero. Yeah, he made three errors. But it's just, what do you do at this point? What do you do? You know, you, uh, you wait for everybody to come back. You're four and a half games out of the wild card right now. And it's getting worse every day. You know, the Red Sox have lost 15 of the last 19 games. Seven of the last eight, 15 of the last 19. You know, so 
And and are all these guys on the injured list? Are they going to be you know the saviors? Well, the the all the guys that are on this injured list are all guys that were on the Red Sox team in April when they stunk the house up. So no, I'm not ready to say that all these guys coming back from injury. Oh, and by the way, I didn't add Chris Sale to that uh, injured list. Uh, not to mention James Paxton, who's been out all year. But you know you you. The guys that are on their way back or are close to coming back are the same guys that, you know, had the Red Sox, you know, 10 games under 500 in April. So, that you know, these guys coming back from injury ain't going to solve everything. So the question becomes, you know, and, and we, you know, I'm sure you're all sick of hearing me talk about it, but what do the Red Sox do? Do they sell? Do they add? And if, and if you're going to add, you know, what are you going to add? And is it really going to make a difference at this point? You know, is this, as I said, this roster was flawed from day one. You know, if you add, if you say you, you go out and you get a Josh Bell from Washington, if you can even get him, is that going to solve your problem? Because last time I checked, Rich Hill... And Michael Walker, when they come back from injury, they, they weren't Cy Young candidates, folks. Nate Evaldi, you know, is not pitching that well. Nick Pavetta has been a has been meh. So where, you know, so you're not getting Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole aren't walking through that door. So, you know, is it really going to make that big a difference adding a bat? Now, you can make the case Josh Bell would have been a hell of a lot better at first base than Franchi Cordero was, but, well, duh. If, frankly, Bobby Dalbeck would be better at first base than Franchi Cordero as he is, is by a lot. But when you don't have a third baseman and you got to put Dalbeck there, what are you going to do? Um, one thing that, that uh, Heimblum did say yesterday is that Tristan Cassis is a possibility. It's it's not beyond the realm of possibility that we could see Cassis in a Red Sox uniform in Boston before the end of the season. And he said, look, you know, he he's missed a bunch of time with that high ankle sprain. And they said, but at the time he went down, we felt like he was showing progress. He was driving the ball, um, you know. And, and so if he picks up where he left off, but I don't know how you do that after having so much time off. He missed, you know an extended amount of time. He said, you know, you know, if he picks up where he left off, then we'll see. He said, but we want to do what's right. He said, you know, uh, he said, you know, we've seen, you know, that we've called guys up probably a little sooner than we wanted to. Probably a Jaron Duran would be a perfect example. He said, so I think he'll be better from the experience, but you know, we don't want to bring him up just because Franchi Cordero made three hours last night. We don't want to push the panic button and say, we need Cassis up here. So we could see him, but that again, you know, he's not saving this season. So if the can the season be saved? Four and a half out, and Tim Wakefield on the broadcast last night. Who, by the way, I think Wakefield does a great job in the booth. Uh, but Tim Wakefield in, in in the game last night kept saying, "Look, you know, we're only three and a half out. There's sixty games to go." There's plenty of time. 
You know, I remember he, he said like back in 2004, you know, we were, you know, we were a mess. But then we picked it up at the end of the season and it was a different team. So there's lots of time. And he's right. I mean, look, you know, four and a half games to make up over the next 60 is not beyond the realm of possibility. I'm not sure this team is constructed in a way that it can do it. But Wakefield's right in that there is time. But, again, one guy isn't going to make a difference. You know, getting Devers back is going to help. There's no question about that. Getting Hill and, and Waka back and, and getting guys like uh, Winkowski, you know, Cutter Crawford, et cetera, out of the rotation on a regular basis, you know, if you need them for an emergency start, that's one thing. But having these guys and throwing them out there every week, we're finding out that, you know, what we got and what we ain't got. You know, and a uh, uh, friend of the show, Matt Corey, does a uh, – uh, a, a newsletter that I get all the time is called Sox Insider. And, and uh, you know, he, he makes a good point. He said, look, you know, not only is the roster too far gone for this year, but is it possible that this team is such a mess that they're not even going to be able to fix it next year? Now, when you look at what the Red Sox have locked up for next year. Alex Verdugo, you know, is there. He's going to be in the outfield. Jaron Duran, you would assume, based on what he's done this year, has earned the center field job, and he will be uh, the starting center fielder for the Red Sox next spring. You would assume that Tristan Cassis will be given the first base job coming out of spring training. You have Trevor Story, who you signed to the long contract. And you have Rafi Devers. So you have five guys, essentially, locked up for next year. Everybody else is either, you know, young, untested, cheap, or a free agent. So, for instance, Jackie Bradley Jr. uh, is going to be a free agent. Are the Red Sox bringing him back? Not on your life. Not on your life. Unless it was for a lot less money and it was to be a defensive replacement. They're not bringing him back. So they have to go out and they have to find a right fielder for next year. Matter of fact, they have to find a couple of outfielders. Unless you think Rob Refsnyder is uh, you know, is one of the, the options to have uh, as a roster filler. But you can do better than that. We don't know if they're going to have a shortstop next year. We don't know right now what's going to happen with Xander Bogarts whether they trade him this year because they throw in the towel or whether we just get to the end of the season, Bogart's opts out of his contract, and then the Red Sox are screwed, and they got to go find a shortstop and see if they can throw a trillion dollars at a guy like Trey Turner and get him in, in Boston. You don't have a catcher signed for next year. Christian Vasquez is going to be a free agent. So, And you won't have a DH next year. Because there's no way, I, I don't believe, that the Red Sox are going to re-sign J.D. Martinez. Not for the kind of money that J.D. is going to want. The Red Sox are going to try to find a cheaper option there. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, does Bobby Dahlbeck become your D.H.? But Bobby Dahlbeck is hitting 208. But if he, te- you know, if he tears up the, the league in August and September again the same way he did last year, I'm going to be really pissed. Because it, it, it'll mean that, that he's gotten hot at a time where it doesn't freaking matter. 
You know, that you've already buried yourself before you, before he figures it out. You know, but they're going to have to find, you know, a DH. So you you go into next year next year with needing a right fielder, a shortstop, a catcher, and a designated hitter. Can you fix that? And and that's just that's just that's just the lineup. What about the rotation? You know, you got Hill on a short-term deal. Nate Evaldi is a free agent. I think Nick Pavetta is locked up. Chris Sale obviously is locked up, but God knows whether he's going to be able to pitch again. I mean, when you look at what the Red Sox have under contract next year in their rotation, that's no lock. That bullpen has been a mess all season. So, you know, there's so much work to do. It's a legitimate question to ask whether this team can be fixed even next year. Do Red Sox fans have to worry about, you know, 2023 as well? Uh, you know, do they have the resources to fix it? Absolutely. The Red Sox have plenty of resources, plenty of money, plenty of money coming off the books. My concern is, you know, bargain dollar uh, Heim Bloom is that instead of going out and trying to make a splash by signing a Trey Turner or somebody big to play uh, right field for the Red Sox or something like that, he's going to scour people's rosters and try to find a guy that he thinks is, you know, undervalued and try to bring him into Boston and and, and solve it with the bargain basement kind of guys. And it worked in Tampa. But I don't know whether it would work in Boston because it's a different kind of atmosphere. I, I, am, I assert that a lot of the reason that the guys in Tampa, you know, these young kids that they've brought in and these guys nobody's ever heard of bring in and they have success – I make the contention that the reason that they succeed in Tampa is because it's Tampa. Nobody gives a crap. You don't have the media killing you. You don't have, hell, you don't even have fans going to the games, let alone fans killing you. You know, it's so low-key there. You know, and you play half your games in a market where nobody gives a crap. I think it's easier to succeed. That's why I don't know that bringing in guys like that in Boston would succeed. There's just too much pressure. There are too many expectations. It's like trying to play, you know, in Yankee Stadium with, uh, you know, those rabid fans there. It's the same thing. And some people just can't handle that. We've seen it in many major markets, in many sports. So I think it's easier in Tampa. That's why I'm not sure the Heimblum blueprint will work in Boston long term. I just don't think it will. And he can be all smiles now, but he should be nervous about his job because he has created an absolute mess with this roster. Subway Series last night, beautiful thing. The Mets win again. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Thursday morning. Uh, so the uh, New York Mets sweep the uh, two-game Subway Series from the New York Yankees. Uh, Yankees, look, um, 
uh, let's not get carried away. They still have a huge lead. Nobody's going to catch them in the American League East, I don't believe. But uh, they just finished a road trip two and five coming out of the All-Star break. Two and five. Uh, they've lost 10 of the last 15 games. But you knew that there was no way on God's green earth that they were going to continue the pace that they were playing at. You know, I mean, even, you know, even after losing, you know, five of the last seven games, they're still playing 667 ball, right? They're 66 and 33. So, you know, it's not like uh, the sky is falling. But Starling Marte with uh, an RBI single in the bottom of the ninth inning, and uh, the Yankees lose to the Mets last night, 3-2. to two. Max Scherzer got the start for the Mets and was spectacular. Deserved, uh, deserved a win. Went seven innings, five hits, no runs, struck out six, walked two. On his birthday, lowered his ERA to 2.09 coming off that injury. Uh, he's fine, folks. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for him, David Peterson, who's normally a starter came out of the bullpen, uh, and, uh, gave up a two run shot to Glaber Torres and, uh, they tie it up, but the Mets come up uh, with the win. Seth Lugo gets the final five outs and, uh, picks up the victory, uh, for the Mets. The Yankees respond, uh, after the game by making a trade with the Kansas city Royals to bring former Red Sox left fielder Andrew Benintendi to Yankee Stadium. Now, you know, I, I don't want to get carried away. This isn't uh, uh, Johnny Damon or Wade Boggs or somebody like that playing uh, for the Reds or playing for the Yankees after being with the Red Sox, but it is going to, no question, it's going to be strange seeing Andrew Benintendi uh, in a Yankee uniform. And think about this. You know, he got traded to the Kansas City Royals. Do you know he never appeared in Fenway Park as a member of the Kansas City Royals? Uh, when the Royals made a trip there, he, he was injured, so he never played as a Royal in Fenway, but he's going to play in Fenway as a Yankee. That's kind of painful. Uh, look, it's a it's a good move for the Yankees in that, look, Benintendi's having a great year. Uh, he's hitting three twenty. But he doesn't have the power he used to have. He's only got three home runs. Um, but he's a gold glove outfielder. Won a gold glove last year. He hasn't made an error in the outfield all season. Uh, he was an all-star. Uh, they don't have John Carlos Stanton, the Yankees, for a few weeks. Joey Gallo has been worse than putrid. I think he's hitting 160. Um, so, you know, and, and you've got, you know, the aging Aaron Hicks. And so... You know, they needed an outfielder. There's no question about it. Andrew Benintendi fits that mold very well. I mean, it's been so bad for the Yankees, they've had to put Matt Carpenter in the outfielder. In the outfield. Matt Carpenter's an infielder. He hadn't played the outfield since 2014. You know, but desperate times call for desperate measures. Ask the Red Sox about why Franchi Cordero's playing first base. Um, but the thing with Benintendi, you know, everybody's making a big deal out of it. But his And his numbers are great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say he's not having a great year. But when you look a little bit deeper into what he's done this year, you know, the fact that he doesn't have any power, the fact that he hits uh, ground balls at an, an enormous rate. I want to say 46% of the balls that he hits are ground balls. And that means that, and you know, and, and a lot of them, 
are ones that are kind of just sneaking through the infield, you know, and, and winding up uh, in, in center field or uh, in right field for a base hit. He's not exactly stinging the ball. I mean, he's hitting, th- and and again, I you know the whole analytics thing you can you can look at it to death, and but he's hitting three fifty one on ground balls this year. It's pretty damn impressive. But the three fifty one that he is hitting on ground balls is seventy five points higher than he has hit his entire career. He's normally about a two seventy five hitter. On ground balls, he's hitting 351 this year. So it's just telling you that he's finding holes. And, you know, maybe, you know, again, going to New York, playing in suddenly in a pressure situations again, will he be able to handle that? Uh, the one thing that it will help is with that short porch in right field, his power numbers could go up. Not that he's going to necessarily have more power, but, hell, there's little leaguers that could hit it out of Yankee Stadium in right field with no trouble. You could hit a pop fly and hit it out of Yankee Stadium. Uh, so it's, it's a good move. I mean, defensively, if nothing else, and he'll be a solid bat, you know, and he's going to put the bat on the ball, and he's not going to strike out at the rate that a guy like Joey Gallo does. Um, he hasn't been great in Yankee Stadium in his career. He's got a 261 average in his career in 30 games at Yankee Stadium. Um, but he's going to play alongside the guy that he finished second to the rookie of the year balloting in, in 2017, Aaron judge. So, uh, you know, the Yankees, I, I wouldn't say they're pushing the panic button because there's been issues, uh, with Joey Gallo for a long time. They knew they needed to do something, uh, and, uh, they pull the trigger and they bring, uh, Andrew Benintendi, uh, to Yankee Stadium. By the way, uh, Aaron judge, of course, who leads the world in uh, home runs right now, he's got 38 of them. Had a tough night last night uh, against Max Scherzer. Struck out three times. He went 0 for 5, struck out three times, left five guys on base. So uh, uh, Max uh, Max did a pretty good job against him last night. But uh, anyway, uh, so a good move by the Yankees. You know, and it's not, and by the way, you know, there were a lot of people last night on social media like, oh, why couldn't the Red Sox bring him back? Because, you know, Andrew Benintendi is not solving the Red Sox problem. Right, the Red Sox don't need an outfielder. All right, they've got Verdugo, they've got Jackie. I mean, I know Jackie's not hitting, but you know, Jackie Benintendi. It's not you know, uh, Jaron Duran is is fine in center field. R- Ref Snyder's been fine. You know, Kike Hernandez is coming back. They don't need an out- an outfielder. That's not the problem. You know, they need a first baseman. That's what they need, or they need some pitching. So, uh, you know, it, it didn't make any sense for the Red Sox even to kick the tires on a guy like Andrew Benintendi. Not that I have anything against Benny, but, you know, uh, I, I think that uh, uh, he'll fit a need that the Yankees have, but it's not one that the Red Sox currently have. Uh, Albert Pujols turns back the clock last night. Good for him. Uh, three hits last night, including a three-run bomb. And uh, the St. Louis Cardinals beat the Toronto Blue Jays 6-1 to last night. Uh, again, not to beat this to death, but the two-game series with uh, no Nolan Arenado, no Paul Goldschmidt. And uh, uh, Albert Pujols gets a chance to start at first base a couple of nights in a row. Had a, I think he had a hit last night, or three hits last night, and he had a hit the night before 
uh, maybe two, but he drove in three runs last night. Um, look, he's 42 years old. He's hitting 241. That was his uh, seventh home run of the season. You know, but a lot of times Albert's getting pinch hit appearances. So uh, good for him. He moves past Rogers Hornsby for fourth most hits in Cardinal history. He's got 2,111 hits just with the Cardinals. But uh, uh, he had a, a single in the second and then a double in the fourth inning as well. And uh, so Albert Pujols single-handedly uh, helps beat the Toronto Blue Jays last night. Adam Wainwright, another ageless wonder, seven innings last night. Struck out eight, gave up just one run on five hits, didn't walk anybody. You know, and I'll tell you what, everybody assumes that Adam Wainwright is going to retire at the end of this year. Why should he? You know, I mean, his record is seven and eight, but he's got an ERA of 3.2. Why, why retire? And, you know, unless he just doesn't want to do it anymore, his, his performances certainly don't lead you to believe that this is a guy that needs to retire. You know, uh, Yadier Molina said that he's hanging it up, and, you know, with the injury issues that he's had, the knee problems that he has, that makes sense. You know, Albert Pujols has said this is it for him, and, again, he's 42 years old and on his last legs, but, you know, he's, he's chipped in when they needed to. But Adam Wainwright, of those three elder statesmen on this St. Louis Cardinals team, if I'm the Cardinals – I'm going to do everything I can to convince him that he needs to continue playing for us because he is, I'll tell you what, uh, there's teams that would line up for his services. So I'm not convinced that uh, that he's going to retire. Uh, the Blue Jays, by the way, 11-11 uh, in July. They've lost nine of their first uh, or nine of their last 11 games. So they are uh, struggling mightily right now. Um uh, and uh, they are going to have a chance to get a little bit healthier. They get to play the Detroit Tigers now. Yusei Kikuchi uh, is going to come off the uh, injured list, and he will start against the Detroit Tigers tonight. Uh, the Cardinals uh, will have today off, and then they get to go play the Washington Nationals uh, on Friday, a three-game series over the weekend. And you would say, well, that'll be a good thing for the Cardinals, but the Nationals just <laughs> took two out of three uh, from – the Los Angeles Dodgers, so you just you just never know. Uh, but uh, the Cardinals needed that win last night. The Milwaukee Brewers won again, so the Cardinals needed the win to kind of stay even with them in the NL Central. They sit three games uh, back of the Milwaukee Brewers. Other game in the American League East last night, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays almost blew another one. But they come back to beat the Baltimore Orioles 6-4 to in 10 innings. They snapped their four-game losing streak. Uh, Randy Arozarena, a two-run double in the 10th inning and uh, to give the uh, Rays the win. Uh, Rays looked like they had this one locked up. But then for the second straight day, Colin Pochet comes out of the bullpen and gives up a home run. It was Jorge Mateo that hit it this time, a solo shot in the ninth inning that sent the game into extra innings. But the, uh, the Rays end up winning it. They will finish that series today. Ryan Yarbrough is uh, going to make a start. He is going to come out of the bullpen and serve as the opener for the Rays in that one, and it'll be Jordan Lyles uh, looking for his seventh win of the season. Uh, he has not fared well against Tampa. He's made two starts against the Rays this year. He's 0-2 with an ERA of almost 13. Ouch. Um, so, uh, But now that puts... The Tampa Bay Rays, or keeps the Tampa Bay Rays, I should say, in wild card position. They are two and a half games ahead of Cleveland. They sit in the third wild card spot right now. 
Uh, the Seattle Mariners finished up their sweep of the Texas Rangers yesterday. The Mariners are now a half a game, or excuse me, one game back. No, it's a half a game. Half a game back of the Toronto Blue Jays for the number one wild card as they just continue to stay red hot. It was Julio Rodriguez last night. Again, a go-ahead three-run homer in the seventh inning. Also made a great play in the outfield. This kid's 21 years old, and uh, he is no uh, no doubter for rookie of the year. He's got to be. Got to be. And uh, the Seattle Mariners have just owned the Texas Rangers this year. They are 11-2 and two against the Rangers. Uh, and by the way, not just that, they've won 17 of their last 20 games. Uh, but they'll have the work cut out for them now. A big uh, series coming up. Again, I don't know that they're going to, even if they do well in this series, I don't know that they could ever catch Houston. But you never know. Uh, Houston's had a bit of a struggle lately. Uh, Seattle sits 10.5 games behind the Astro, Astros, and they will start a four-game series with the Astros over the weekend. Logan Gilbert will get the start uh, tonight. Uh, for the Seattle Mariners, and as far as uh, the Texas Rangers go, uh, they they uh, they are 20 games back, 11 games under 500, and they get to play the Angels uh, for a, a dumb-off uh, weekend series in Anaheim. It's 45 minutes past the hour. We're going to take one more break. Back to wrap things up. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Forty-seven minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call. Just a couple more things to get to before we get out of here. Uh, by the way, no show tomorrow. I've got some things got to do here around uh, the farm, so we will not be here tomorrow. But we'll be back on on Monday. I probably need a mental health day, I'm, I'm, especially after watching the Red Sox the last few days and worried uh, <laughs> worried about them today too. I'll tell you, the other team that needs to be worried, the Minnesota Twins, with the uh, uh, the Guardians making some uh, progress against the Red Sox the way they are, and Minnesota struggling. Uh, and Minnesota lost again yesterday. It was the Milwaukee Brewers. The Red Sox next opponent, by the way. You'll have to love that. The Brewers put up 10 runs yesterday uh, against the Twins, beat them 10-4, to and uh, the Twins' lead now in the American League Central is just a game and a half uh, over the Indians. Minnesota has lost six of the last ten. Corbin Burns last night struck out 11 over six innings, but Rowdy Telez, a pair of three-run bombs for the Milwaukee Brewers as they take down the Twins. And uh, Chris Archer got the start, gave up all six of those runs in three innings. Uh, Struck out two, but he walked six. Only gave up three hits, but he walked six. Over three innings. Man, remember when Chris Archer was like a rising star for the Tampa Bay Rays? And then, I'll tell you what, then gets shipped off to Pittsburgh, and it's been injury after injury, and he has not been the same pitcher. Uh, remember, he, remember I, weren't he and David Price on that uh, Tampa Bay roster at the same time when, you know, they just uh, they had an unbelievable pitching staff? And Chris Archer and David Price now are two guys that are uh, forgotten men. David Price, who's making making thirty million dollars a year to be a relief pitcher for the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers and having so so success, and and Chris Archer's just it looks like he, uh, you know, you don't want to say he's he's done, but he is not the same pitcher that he used to be. Uh, but the Twins now, uh, it doesn't get any easier. They have to go to San Diego to play a three game series against the Padres this weekend, uh, and of course the Brewers will come into Boston on Friday, and the Red Sox will get to place, uh, face De- Brandon Woodruff, 
their ace, who was eight and three with a three seven three ERA, uh, coming up on Friday. So doesn't get any easier for the Sox. Doesn't get any easier for the Twins as well. And the Twins lead right now very very tenuous. Uh, the Phillies with a big win last night. They beat the Atlanta Braves seven to two. So the Phillies trying to keep themselves uh, in the race. Uh, they're not going to catch the Twins. They're they're or the New York Mets in the NL East. Uh, but they've got themselves in playoff position right now uh, in the wild card uh, as they take two out of three from the Atlanta Braves. Charlie Morton got the start for the Braves yesterday. Wasn't very good. Gave up five runs, six hits, and five innings. Uh, Kyle Gibson, pretty sharp for those Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, six innings, just four hits, a couple of runs, struck out four, and uh, bullpen does a great job after that. Uh, the hero of that one for the Phillies, Alec Bohm. Uh, is uh, the the hitting hero for the Phillies in that one, and uh, Philly now improves to fifty one and forty seven. J T. Ramuto with a couple of hits as well, drove in a couple of runs uh, as the Phillies beat the Braves seven to two. The White Sox lose yesterday. Looked like they had this one in hand. The problem for the White Sox was that Liam Hendricks, their closer, was not available yesterday, so they brought Kendall Graveman in in the ninth inning to try to finish off a uh, a 5-4 lead, and uh, he ends up blowing it, and the Colorado Rockies come back to beat the White Sox 6-5, to so the White Sox fail to make up any ground on the Minnesota Twins. They are three back in the AL Central. Uh, only other game to talk about yesterday, um, the Houston Astros get swept by the Oakland Athletics. Four to two, Cole Irvin, just four hits allowed over seven innings. And uh, Oakland, who is has the worst record in the American League, 38 and 63, uh, has won six of its last eight games against the Astros. Go figure. Remember a, a couple of years ago when the Yankees were killing everybody, but the uh, Baltimore Orioles seem to have their number. Well, it seems to be that way with the Oakland Athletics this year. Uh, it is the first time, by the way, that Houston has been swept in a series since last September. And that was also uh, at Oakland. The only highlight really for Houston yesterday, Jordan, Jordan Alvarez hit his 29th home run of the season. A.J. Puck uh, picks up the save, a 1-2-3 inning uh, for the Oakland Athletics as they sweep <laughs> the, the Houston Astros. Go figure. That is going to do it for us here this morning. So no show tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of The Wake Up Call. A little Hank Williams Jr. on our way out this morning. Some Big River. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.